Those that are going, those that are staying can stay. You will probably date yourself, but how many of you remember the song by the title of that message this morning, That Thing You Do? There was a movie put out about it. I can't remember the group that sang it. Do you remember, Elizabeth? Uh, but there was a famous group back in the 50s that came out with this song called That Thing You Do, and they did a movie about the whole group. Actually, it was, it was very well done. But I want to talk to you this morning about That Thing You Do. How many of you, as you read the Gospels, and I know that you do, you come across these miracles that Jesus did? What, what's your favorite miracle recorded in the Gospels? Somebody tell me, what, what, what's one of the miracles that you like? Yes. He made a blind man see. All right. What's another one? Raise the dead. Raise the dead. That's a pretty good one. Yes. He made a, a leper, not a leopard, but a leper. <laughs> Someone with leprosy made him clean. That's right. He did that, yeah. That was a big deal because that was an incurable disease. His first one is he turned a water into wine, and I bet that was some good wine. I bet it was. God made. What other miracles do you remember? Calm in the sea. That's a pretty big one. Peace be still, and everything went... To glass. Parted to seas. Right, feeding to 5,000, feeding to 4,000, and all the other thousands. And what does that tell you? God likes to eat. God likes a party. Yeah, that's right. The miracle of the fishes. Pulled that on Peter twice, didn't he? There's one walking on the water. How many of you like to be able to do that? I would. Now, let me ask you something. If today you could ask the Lord Jesus to teach you how to do anything, do any of those miracles, anything at all, I want you to think about this. What would you ask him to teach you how to do? Fish. Healed. Oh, when, who said that? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to heal the sick without having to go through 10 years of school and residency? Walk on water. That'd be mine. I'd like to do that. Math. Okay. Understand. Okay, Sam, understand. He's, he's, he's my son. What can I tell you? Absolutely. Multiply the food. Yeah. Get our food budget dropped a little bit. All of these things. But you know, the disciples only had one request. They only ever asked Jesus to teach them one thing. And did they see all those miracles? Were they part of them? Yeah. They didn't ask for that. They asked for one thing in Luke 11, 1. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray like you pray. Isn't that interesting? I want to come back to that thought in just a moment. But let me say this. I don't care how big your church is. The health of a church is measured not by the attendance on Sunday morning, but by the attendance at prayer meeting. And if that's true, then we're a very sick church. I think we had like seven people Wednesday night. We were down even for Wednesday. I don't know what was going on. But, but buddy, we had some prayer. We got some prayer done, didn't we? Didn't we, Jay? Didn't we get some? I even heard Lisa pray. Where's Lisa? She's trying to hide back here. I got to hear. I'm going to tell you something. That blessed my socks off. Lisa, that, that little pop, popcorn prayer that you prayed blessed me to no end. I want you to know that. We prayed together. But nobody comes to prayer meeting. We don't, we're not into prayer. We're really not. Even as the church. Why don't, why don't people pray? Huh? Too busy? I think there's even a deeper reason. 
Huh? We don't know how to. Their faith is weak. We don't believe it makes a difference. I think we're getting closer. Who said that? Say it again. We're scared that the prayer won't be answered. We don't see results. And we become weary. We become discouraged. And we say, well, I'll just read my Bible and go to church. And prayer becomes a very minimal part of our day. They are. But because they're not answered in the way we want, we get discouraged. We really do. And you know, it's kind of like cookbooks. How many of you have cookbooks in your house? Oh, yeah. I see people rolling out. Oh, do I have cookbooks? Uh, we have cook. We love cook. We got cookbooks, don't we? Just a few. I wanted to throw one out the other day, and she said, no, you can't throw that out. You got that from the lady in the nursing home in Florida. I don't even remember that. I mean, this cookbook's so old, it's on tablets of stone. Uh, we love cookbooks. We don't ever use them. Cookbooks are for, we don't use cookbooks. We love the pictures, don't we? But we don't use them. You know, we like to look at them, but we never use them. And it's kind of like books on prayer. If you went in my office today, you would find about 25% of the books, and I got a lot of books, about 25% of the books on my shelf are books on prayer. And we get books on prayer, and we read them, and we're inspired, but what don't we do? We don't pray. We don't pray. We have never had more information on prayer, and we've never had less praying going on. Are you with me this morning? And I want to I ask the question. I think there's an outline in your bulletin this morning. You might want to pull that out. I think we're getting ready to fill in some of these. But I want you to notice in Luke 11, 1, the Bible says, Oh, thank you. I needed some water. The Bible says in Luke 11, 1, When you pray. Do you see that? Turn to your Bibles to Luke 11, 1. Do you see that? The disciples came to Jesus when he had finished, and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, God expects you to pray. Here's the first fill-in under there. If you're a believer, you will pray. You say, Pastor, I don't pray. Well, you're probably not a believer. You say, I don't like that. Well, do you want the truth? A friend of mine gets up every morning and reads the Bible. I said, why do you do that? He, says, he said, because this is the only thing during the day that has no potential to lie to me. I'm telling you the truth. If you don't pray, you don't believe. Jesus, God expects believers to pray. If you're a believer, you pray. That's what you do. Wow, ask, ask the nurse to help him get on his knees so he can pray every day. Wow. There you go. Because he's a believer. It's just normal. Fish swim, believers, what? Pray. That's what we do. Here's the question, though, is why don't we pray? You ever thought about that? We talked about that for a little bit here. And I want to say this carefully because it's going to mess some of you up. But I... I I believe in truth-telling. And here it is. Our correct theology has led to flawed conclusions. Our correct theology that we got from the Bible, we've used it, and through flawed logic, we have come to faulty conclusions. And it, and it keeps us from praying. Let me give you three of them. Here's the first one. If God is sovereign, why pray? What does sovereign mean, church? It means he's in charge. He's powerful over everything. It basically means this. God's going to do what God's going to do no matter what we say, what we want. God's going to do what God wants. If that's true, why bother? 
Here's the second one. These are all related to each other. If God is not influenced by us, why pray? If, if I can't influence God, why should I bother praying? Doesn't that make sense? Or it sounds like it makes sense on the surface? If, if I can't change God's mind about my circumstance, why should I bother praying? And then here's the third one. If God cannot be affected by my prayers, why pray? And every single one of those, the first part is true. However, there's a faulty logic in there. Did you notice what's behind every one of those reasons for not praying? My inability to change God. And can I just drop this on you this morning? And I want you to listen. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You don't need a God that you can change. You hear me? You don't need a God that you can manipulate. You need an unchanging God. But how does that translate into praying? Well, let me give you some reasons there. I want to challenge these flawed conclusions with three very important points. Here it is. Number one, God expects us to pray. Fifty times in the Gospels, the word prayer shows up. Now, what's interesting is it shows up 220 times in the whole Bible. So almost one-fourth of the instances where, where prayer is mentioned is in the Gospels. Hang with me here for a minute. Almost a quarter of the mentions of prayer in all of the Bible, 66 books, are found in four books. And, and this hit me as I was reading that and, and trying to say, what does that mean? Who is in those four books that is nowhere else in Scripture in the historical record? Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, there's a massive emphasis on prayer. Are you with me? Jesus was a praying man. And his emphasis on prayer is all over the historical record of his time on earth. So much so that it dominates almost one-fourth of all the mentions of prayer in all of Scripture. God expects us to pray. Many of those verses say, when you pray, when you pray, as you pray. It is absolutely an expectation of God. Here's number two, and this is so important, and I want you to hear this. And it doesn't deny the sovereignty of God. It embraces the sovereignty. The sovereignty of God should never keep us from praying. Listen to me, church. The sovereignty of God should drive us to prayer. And here's why. Number two is that God sovereignly ordains events to come about through prayer. What does that say? Alone. Do you realize this morning that so many, there are so many things that are not going to happen, listen to me, unless you pray? Because that's what God has ordained. Are you hearing me this morning? See, God's sovereignty is not a reason not to pray. It's a reason to pray because God has sovereignly ordained events to come about, listen to me, in your life today, but they're only going to happen if you what? If you pray. I'm going to give you an example here in just a minute. Number three, this is the big problem. Prayer is not to change God. It's to change me. Prayer is not to change God, but to change me. Can we be honest this morning? How many of you, in your praying, go to God to change his mind? If you'll be just gut level honest this morning. And I don't say that's all bad. For example, you've got a son or a child who is not walking with God, who is, does not know God, who is lost in their sin. And headed to an eternity in hell 
separated from God. And you are going to God with that child's name on your lips. You're saying, God, change your mind about the state that this kid is in. Is that wrong? No. No. Not at all. Because I want to tell you, God may very well have sovereignly ordained that child's salvation to come about through your prayers. That's why the prophet said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. But, oh, beloved, hear this. Prayer is not designed to change God. It is designed to change you. You ever thought about that? You ever wonder why that's true? I think it's because as we spend time in the presence of God, we become like Him. And maybe the reason the church is, looks more like the world than it does like God is because we're spending more time watching TV, listen to me, than we are spending in the presence of the Father. And we look more like Big Brother and whatever these things are on TV. We look more like the television programs than we do like the Savior. You ought to say amen or ouch. So back to Luke 11.1, 1, this interesting passage of Scripture. As you turn there, if your Bibles are already open. Luke 11.1, 1, the Bible says this. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, you know, Lord, teach us to do that thing that you do. That's where I got the title of my message from this morning. Lord, teach us to do that thing you do, that we watch you do. The Bible says, and when he had ceased, when he had stopped praying, then the disciples came to him. It appears to me that the disciples were observing Jesus pray from a distance. And I think they did that a lot. Jesus, in the scriptures, prayed alone. He tended to pray alone. Because prayer, listen to me, church, prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. It doesn't appear anywhere in scripture that where Jesus ever had a prayer meeting with his disciples. If he had, they probably wouldn't ask him to teach us to pray. They were always watching him from a distance, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Jesus said, come and watch with me. And then he goes on further from them and falls on his face alone, and he starts to pray. And what do they do? They fall asleep. No wonder Jesus never had prayer meetings with them. They went to sleep. And that's how we are today. We care about that much about prayer. Sleep takes over rather than prayer. But Jesus didn't pray with his disciples. He prayed alone. But I want you to notice something. And this, this was exciting to me when I saw this this week. The disciples started to connect the dots. You know, the disciples weren't the brightest bulb in the chandelier. But they were still there. They still had some light. And all of a sudden, after hanging out with Jesus all this time, they started to put two and two together and come up with four. Have you ever noticed the Bible says, it says it in Mark 1.35, but it seems to be, a, and it says it almost like this was Jesus' regular occurrence. It was his ritual. The Bible says that now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. This seemed to be Jesus' pattern. It seemed to be what Jesus did. Now, now, here's the issue. If you've ever been to Israel, one of the weird things in Israel, just because of where it's located, uh, the day dawn in Israel is about 4 a.m. Yeah, it starts to get light. The first fingers of light hit the horizon about 4 a.m. in Israel. So if he's rising a long while before the morning, before dawn, He's getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now I want everybody to look at me. Stay with me. <laughs> I know you're checking out right now. Say, well, he's sure not talking to me. I'm just telling you what Jesus did. He would get up that early in the morning, about, about 3 a.m., and it seemed to be his normal practice. And, and listen, he would pray four to five hours. He would spend with his father just communing with God. Are you with me? 
and they, and they figure it out. When the disciples wake up, Jesus has come back, and what's he just done? He spent the last four or five hours with the Father in prayer, and he comes to the disciples and says, Okay, guys, let's go to town. And they go to the town, and there's a blind man that's brought to him. And what does he do? He says, See. And he walks away, and the guy sees. Fraction of a second. There's a person with leprosy. And he walks by, he says, be clean. Fraction of a second, the guy is healed. They bring someone to him that's demon-possessed, and he just says to the demon, be gone. Demon's gone. Fraction of a second, he's had to spend. He even comes to a dead child, getting ready to be, go to the funeral. And he just says, live. One word. Fraction of a second. And the child's alive. And it starts to dawn on the disciples. And they're saying, okay, okay. So it takes, a, takes Jesus a fraction of a second to do all these things. To heal the blind, the lame, the lepers, even to raise the dead. It just takes them a fraction of a second, just a word or two. But it takes him four hours to do this other thing. Are you all here this morning? Are you catching some of this? It takes him four hours to do this other thing. And here's what they come to figure out. If you spend four hours with God in the morning, you'll only have to spend a minute with men in a day. Hmm? Anybody listening this morning? Ah, so Jesus spent four hours with the Father, and when he came upon problems in the day, it was just a minute, it was a fraction of a second, and things were taken care of because he had spent time with the Father. But we do the opposite. Stay with me. Here's what we do. We spend a minute with God in the morning, and we spend four hours dealing with problems. Anybody out there this morning? Do we not do that? I promise you it's because we don't pray. You say, preacher, I can never pray four hours. How do you know? Have you ever tried? And maybe we need to lead up to that. Maybe we need to learn how to do that. I just want you to start today. I just want you to start. Maybe if we spent more time with God before the day began, we'd spend less time trying to figure things out. Because it seemed like Jesus spent no time at all. Any problem that was in his way, he could deal with it in a moment. Because his, he constantly beheld the face of his father. And we have the same right today as sons and daughters of God. Do you believe that? Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and never lose heart. That means never stop. Men ought always to pray and never cease. Say, that's, that's not practical. I can't constantly pray. I get nothing done. That's a worldly mindset. Maybe the reason we're getting nothing done is because we're not taking the time to pray. You ever thought about it like that? Have you ever noticed that everything in the kingdom is turned on its head? Common sense and kingdom sense are at odds with each other. <laughs> Maybe the reason we're getting so little accomplished in our life is because we're not praying. And here's an example. Here's what happens. And I'm going to turn there. Turn to your Bible to Matthew 17. Let's turn to Matthew 17. I'm going to show you what happened with these guys. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. Beginning in verse 14. And when they had, and when they had come to the multitude... A man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. 
So I brought them to your disciples, and then what does it say, church? But they could not cure him. They couldn't do it. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And that was really to his guys. Guys, you've been with me. Really? How long have we hung out together and you still haven't figured this thing out? Bring him to me. And does Jesus take four hours of labor to cast this demon out? What does it say? He does not. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Get out. And it came out of him, fraction of a second. And the child was cured from that very hour. Look at that. Now, it appears here that the disciples had already tried to cast this demon out of the kid. This father brought this child to the disciples and said, He's got a demon. Can you, can you heal him? And they said, Well, yes, we, we're, we're the disciples of Jesus. We can do this. And they start. They try to cast this demon out. It's funny. Have you ever seen people try to do this, casting out demons? Apparently, Satan is hard of hearing because they always yell at them. In the name of Jesus, come out of them. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Satan's not hard of hearing, and you don't need to get excited. We stand on the blood of Jesus and the resurrection. He has no power against that. But those disciples spent hours trying to heal this boy, and this demon wasn't budging. They had no power to do it. Jesus comes down, and they bring the kid to him, and Jesus says, get out. And the demon's gone, and the kid is fine. How do you think the disciples are feeling right about now? Huh? Seriously, what do you think? Yeah, kind of embarrassed? A little shamed? Look at the text. This is almost funny. It's almost funny. Look what the Bible says. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus how? Imagine that. <laughs> uh, over in, I think it's John's gospel, or Mark's gospel, it gives us the skinny on this. Is when they went behind the wall for dinner and went into the house, when it was just the guys, they turned to Jesus and said, Master, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we cast that demon out? Jesus gave him three reasons. He gave him three reasons. Look what it says. Because of your what? For assuredly I say to you, if you have what? That's the opposite of unbelief. There's faith and unfaith. There's unbelief and belief. Same word. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And how much will be impossible to you? But it was impossible for them to cast this demon out. Because they had no what? Faith. Here's a second one. Well, let me deal with that first. Unbelief. That was their core problem. When you have faith, what's impossible? Nothing. Nothing. If you can make mountains move from one place to the other, how hard is it for anything else in your life? Are you with me? But when you don't have faith, when you have unbelief instead of belief, when you have disagreement with God instead of agreement with God, what is possible for you? Nothing. Isn't this interesting? Anybody else getting this this morning, or is, it just, is this sermon just for Pastor Paul? The reason, listen to me, listen to me. The reason you're not seeing results in your prayer life is because we're praying without faith. Or could it be that we're not praying at all? 
because that was their second problem. Their main problem was unbelief. Here was their second problem, because you didn't pray. You did not pray. He said, this kind doesn't come out except by prayer. How many of you know this morning or are convinced of, or maybe you need to be convinced of this, that there are some things that aren't going to happen until you pray? That's what I said in point number two there. There are th listen, listen. There are things that God has sovereignly ordained that's going to happen in your life if and only if you come to God in what? Prayer. Apparently, these disciples got a little full of themselves. And said, yeah, we can cast that demon out. We know Jesus. And that demon said, good for you. But he's not here. They didn't even stop to pray. Nothing happened. Because you don't pray. And then here's the third reason. He said, this kind cometh not out except by prayer and what? Oh, there you go. Pastor's on fasting again. Fasting. I know there are at least four people in this room this morning that haven't eaten a bite since the last day of August. Ten days in now, we've been fasting. And I know that there's a bunch of people who have been fasting other things besides food. And we're, I've called the church of 40 days with God. There are some things that just don't happen. There are some things that just don't come out without prayer and fasting. And biblical fasting, I call it natural fasting. I think that's what Jesus did. And that is he spent so much time with the Father that the pull of the flesh became very much secondary. Remember the woman at the well? He does his whole thing with her, and she runs to tell everybody so they can start the crusade, and the whole town is going to get saved. The disciples come back and said, uh, did you get something to eat? And he said, I have bread that you don't know of. And they thought, oh, somebody must have fed him. He said, no, guys, my bread is to do the will of the one who sent me. I have enjoyed my father so much, I can't even think about eating. Fasting. What is it about Prayer and fasting. This is just a thought. Now, I like to say this when it's just my thinking. I didn't pull this out of Scripture, but I'm kind of adding these up backwards. What was the disciples' major problem in their inability to cast that demon out? What was the main problem? What did he say? Point number one. Unbelief. And I almost think what Jesus is saying is, if you want to deal with your disagreement with God, that's what unbelief is, it's disagreeing with God, then the best, the quickest way to deal with it is through prayer and what, church? There it is. You want to have faith, you want to come to a new agreement with God, get away with Him, and spend time with him. Get in his presence. So much so that you, that you deny the flesh. And give room. Here it is. Give room for your spirit to grow. For when the flesh dwindles. The spirit develops. And some of us. Have miniature spirits. And massive fleshes. Because we never say no to the flesh. Which means we're saying no to the Spirit. You remember when Moses went up on that mountain to get the law? And he spent how many days with God? Forty. Didn't eat. 
came down, there was a problem, he got mad and broke the stones. God sent him back up for a repeat. He did 40 days and, and then came, turned right around and he did another 40. And I would say this is supernatural. He goes back up 40 more days with God. Y'all remember what happened to him when he come back down? Do you remember this? Go look it up. The people couldn't look at him. His face was on fire. His face, literally, his physical features were changed from spending 80 days with God and God so much so that they said, Moses, please, you're going to have to put a veil over that. We cannot look at you. Do you think Moses' faith was increased? I think it was. And I think it's because he spent that time with God. Why do you think Jesus had so much faith? Oh, that's because he was God himself. Could it be because he got up and spent four to five hours with the Father in uninterrupted communion, talking to God? And because of that, he only spent a minute with problems during the day. Because he knew the will of God. He constantly beheld the Father and he knew what to do. So if you're here today and you're discouraged with praying, let me encourage you. Say, I am, there's no way in the world I'm going to even get up to our praying. Well, you, you know how you get there? You start. You just start. And like I said, praying's like cookbooks, man. We love them, but we don't use them. We love the idea, but we're, we're ignorant of the reality. I'm going to tell you what. Wednesday night, we had a concert of prayer. And it was a beautiful thing. We prayed through the Lord's Prayer, and we put meat on the bones that Jesus laid out. And by the way, that's a, you want to start? That's a good way to start. Take each phrase... And tell God everything you can about that phrase. Tell God how glad you are that he is your father. Not just your father. It says what? It doesn't say my father. It says what? Father. Our father. We went around the room and said, Lord, I thank you that you are Jay's father. Jay said, Lord, I thank you that you are Lisa's father. And we went around the room. And, and, and you bring up other people that are in your family of faith. And I'm glad you're my father in heaven. And that's your purpose. You go through that whole thing. You can spend an hour praying with God. Here's what I want you to do. I'm expecting God to move in this place. But we had better prepare for that move by prayer and fasting. In August, early in August, we have our fall revival coming up. The 5th through the 9th. August, it's October. I don't know why I said August. October 5th through the 9th. It's really the 5th through the 7th, and then we'll take the 8th off, and then we'll come back for homecoming on the 9th to finish up our revival. And I'm asking God to move. That's why we're doing this 40 days of fasting, seeking God's heart. If you're not careful, if you just don't eat, but don't take the time to press into God, then you're just dieting. And that's good for you physically, but all you're doing is you're making the flesh stronger, not weaker. You're defeating the entire purpose of this fast. You're just giving up Facebook, but not pressing, not taking the time. You know how much time you spend on Facebook? You say, okay, preacher, now you're getting into my home turf. Mm-hmm. How about we just make it equal? How about we just say, you know what? I'm going to... Sp- I'm going to spend equal amounts of time with God and with these other things. What if we did that? I'm going to give myself an hour on Facebook, so before I do that, I'm going to spend an hour with God. I'm going to watch this television program for an hour, but before I do that, I'm going to spend an hour with God. You say, you're talking crazy stuff now, Pastor. No. It's a numbers game, folks. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. The reason I think we see ineffectiveness in our praying is A, we don't do it. 
B, when we've done it, God doesn't do what we think he should do. And so we get discouraged and we say, why bother? I'm going to tell you something. The reason Jesus says your prayers don't get answered is because you don't believe. And the reason you don't believe is you're not spending time praying. And not just praying, but praying in what? Fasting. And you can turn it around and say, if I spent time praying and fasting, it would build my belief. And it just makes sense, really, doesn't it? If I spent more time with God, I would believe in His presence. The more I hang out with God, the more I come to know that there is nothing He can't do. Is anybody here today? There's, listen, did you hear it? There's nothing God can't do. And when you get out of a prolonged time with God and you get up off of your knees and you go out in the world and you see problems, you come into those problems with the firm belief that there's nothing that God can't do. You can speak a word and be gone and things are taken care of. But the reason we don't see it is because we don't believe. The reason we don't believe is we're not spending time with Him in prayer. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Here's some take-homes, some takeaways. Number one, this is really good, especially for if you've you ever gotten stuck in your prayer life. If you've gotten stuck in your prayer life, this is a great place to start. Go to Walmart today. Buy one of those little composition notebooks that the kids have to use for school. Matter of fact, they're clearing them out. I think they're like a quarter. Spend 25 cents and get a composition notebook. And start to write your prayers out. But here's a little trap though. Don't just write them out. When you get, write them neatly, because here's what I want you to do. When you're done writing those prayers out, go back and read them out loud. It's very important that, that your prayers are verbal as much as possible. I don't have time to go into that, but it is. You will not find one time in the scripture a silent prayer. They're all out loud. Write it down. That's number one. Get a prayer journal and write out your prayers. Number two, pray regularly, daily. Have a conversation with God. Start somewhere. Some of us aren't even spending a minute with God in the morning, and we wonder why our days are struggles. Start. Just start talking. Just get in the habit of, like her grandfather, getting up in the morning, getting on your knees beside your bed, and talking to God. First thing in the morning. Just start. Number three, this is real important. Pray the right kind of prayers. I'm be real careful here, but it's laid out in the Lord's Prayer, but we don't use it. What do we do? Dear Lord, help, and then we lay out our prayer list, right? Help Aunt Sally's ingrown toenail. Pray the right kind of prayers in the right order. Pray that God will show up and show out. Pray prayers for God to show up. Listen to me. Because when God shows up, Aunt Sally's hangnail is no longer a huge priority. I don't mean that in an ugly way. We need to be praying prayers that invite God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to me. God's kingdom and God are more important than the little things now you say, isn't there any place for America? Absolutely. But it's after we have exalted God and realized who we're talking to. And listen to, listen to me, listen to me. And if it took Jesus four hours in the morning to get through this model prayer, then he did a pretty good job of putting meat on the outline on the bones of the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? He spent hours exalting and extolling God and enjoying His presence and telling Him who He is. He prayed prayers after God's own heart. Pray God prayers. That God would show up and God would show out in your life. And here's the thing. Let's get real practical here. Number four. Pray blessings over your family. Pray blessings over your family. Just spontaneously. Just spontaneously. Go up to your kids and... Put a hand on their head and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Pray a prayer of blessing. Get, get in the habit of blessing your family and your friends. Out loud. Why would we not do that? Because we don't believe. 
And we don't believe because we're not spending time with the Lord. You see how this is all a cumulative effect? Here's another one. Start praying together. Get with other believers and pray together. Come on Wednesday night as we have these concerts of prayer. We're doing this more and more as we're leading up to revival. We're going to be just getting on our face before God and seeking Him and praying the Scriptures together. Pray with your family. And then the last one is use the Lord's Prayer as an outline. Take the Lord's Prayer and just use it as an outline. And every little statement... Talk to God about that statement. I am so glad that you're my father. That you're not this angry, mad God like my earthly father was. Uh, but, but you're a good God who loves me. Who will never be angry without cause. And that your anger is always corrective, not punitive. You with me? God's not trying to destroy. By the way, if God wanted to destroy you, you'd be gone. Has anybody ever thought about that before? That's not, if he, he's not going to work hard to destroy you. If he wants you gone, you're gone. And the fact that you're not gone is, is, is testimony to the fact of what kind of father he is. Is anybody here? Is anybody excited about the Lord this morning? Or is it just me? That's the kind of God we're serving. And you can praise him and thank him for that. And oh yeah, Lord, and when I did that really stupid thing, you told me not to do it. I know what the word said. I did it anyway. And yet here I am. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that you're a God, a father kind of a God who loves me. And thank you that you're taking care of me. That's what you do. You meet my needs. And it's like that time we had no money. And, and all of a sudden groceries ended up on our doorstep. God, I know that was you. Because you're my father. And we haven't even gotten past the first phrase. Take it phrase by phrase and pray the Lord's Prayer. Is that fair? Is that, is that too hard to do? That's what I want you. I want you to start praying. And I believe that praying, the act of praying, and maybe at first it's just going to be going through the motions. Go through them. He said, Preacher, are you really saying? Yes, I am. Go through it. Sometimes, how many of you know, sometimes we got to break through the wall of our unbelief by just going through the motions. I had a great brother tell me one time, sometimes I hurt so bad, the only thing I can do is pray the Lord's Prayer. I can't get anything else. I can't get anything else out. Amen. We can see that all around us. Dead. No matter what you do, Start. Just start somewhere. Break through the barrier of unbelief. And we can use examples in our life. Like our family members that God is miraculously preserving. Start talking to God. Write them down. Pray them out loud. I got to do that. Because I have the attention span of a gnat. I mean, my attention span is that long. But when I write, I'm focused, man. Now you write four, five, six pages and stay on stay what I'm trying to say and stay on it. And then go back and read that out loud. And what's going to happen when you read that prayer, other things are going to come to your mind. And when they do, put your finger down and tell God those things. You with me? Over and over and over again and pray all day long. Men are always to pray and not to cease. Start somewhere. Watch your faith increase. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about how long you're praying. Worry about are you praying. Because the more you spend time with Him, it's addictive. The more you spend time with God, the more you're going to want to spend time with God. But I want to close with this, and I promise I'm done. Know this, that you have an enemy of your soul. And he's happy for you to read the Bible. And he's happy for you to come to church, but he is not happy when you pray. Satan does not want you praying. Satan fears very little, but he fears a praying church. He fears a praying believer. And know this, that he's going to put everything in your path to keep that from happening. 
and you have to push through it because it matters. So let's do something this morning. Let's actually pray. Is that crazy? Let's pray. While I pray, you'll never hear a preacher say this, but don't listen to me. You pray. And you ask God, whatever he God has spoken directly into your life today, you ask him to give you the motivation to begin a prayer journey with him. And join us on these 40 days with God. So as I pray, I want everyone in here to pray as well. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for this example of Jesus. And it's so true. He, he spent so little time on things that took the disciples hours and still ended in failure. And it's because, Lord, he spent time with you. He had a perfect faith, not because he was your son, but because he spent time with you. And even his physical body was recharged and refreshed. He was reminded of who you are. And then he went about doing good in his day. I pray we would do the same. Lord, I know you're speaking to hearts all over this congregation this morning. Please, if you do nothing else for us in the next 40 days, make us a praying church. And may we not pray just because it's 40 days with you, but may we pray because you're worth it. May you convince us of the necessity of prayer of our need for you. And Lord, as your children this week take me up on this challenge to begin praying, I pray that you would light them up. I pray that you would fill them up. I pray that the congregation that comes back next Sunday will be very different than the one that sits here today as we have spent time with you. And I ask that you do this for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That thing you do is the same thing that we need to be doing. Teach us to pray.